0: That's N-O-O-M dot to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is August 5th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Are you a database engineer? Seriously, why haven't you not applied to the open position we have right now? We have a part-time position open at the moment that could turn into full-time by as soon as next year. So definitely go look at all of the job description there. And uh, we hope that you are the perfect fit. But Max Free went yesterday, six innings of zeroed runs, three hits, zero walks, and eight Ks. And his return to the major leagues from injury, and boy, was that beautiful. I was very skeptical considering it was the Cubs, considering he had a low pitch count, and it actually was only 72 pitches. And he didn't really look like at his peak in that AAA uh, rehab start, but here he is just being dominant. It's wonderful. Everything is good, and you just keep starting Max Fried moving forward. Zach Little did well against the Tigers, got the win, six innings of zero runs, three hits, one walk, and just one strikeout. And you're wondering, who is Zach Little? He's on the raise right now, and he will get regular starts because McClanahan is on the shelf, and they already had that open spot in the rotation with Torino's gone. I don't really think there's anything that exceptional here. Uh, the four-seamer found its way in the zone. The slider was hung a ton, and it was not the accurate uh, game you want to see. However, I have seen moments where Zach Little is good with a Blake Stump blueprint that is putting that slider actually down in glove side and getting that four-seamer up, and it's not really enough to be truly 12-teamer rosterable or anything like that. I would even argue maybe not 15, but there are starts down the road that I'm sure he will come through um, and be a desperate stream. 15 teamers against the Guardians next week. I don't want to do that. David Peterson against the Orioles next week. Uh, actually, not next week. Yesterday, three innings, zero runs, one hit, three walks, and one Ks. Just 52 pitches, as he only threw two innings or so in, in the previous starts, and he still needs to be stretched out. I don't really think there's anything to latch onto here. Bobby Miller, 3.2 innings of one run ball, 82 pitches. Labored in this one. It was six hits of one walk and three Ks, but... This is not the Bobby Miller I envisioned. Um, I really was encouraged by previous starts by getting the sliders and curveballs over the plate, and maybe we do see that moving forward. However, I recognize that um I, you know, I, I need to bake more of his lack of polish into my expectations for 2023. Do I see a stud potentially for 2024? Yeah. Um I think I'm going to be drafting Bobby Miller everywhere next year. But I should be a little bit more tepid on his uh, expected performance across the next two months. And I have been on the list. Not to say that I've been like super, super high on it. I think I'm now like a 35 or something like that. But there are other players I think that I might be raising above Bobby Miller for, uh, for next week's edition. You, Darvish, against the Dodgers, seven innings of two and runs, five hits, zero walks, and four Ks. And solid stuff here from Darvish. That's four of his last five that were stellar. It's nice. He's going really heavy sweeper and sinker, essentially. Uh, It's not the amazing approach I saw before, but hey, if that slider is that good, then that's really cool. This was against the Dodgers, so I guess we just keep starting Darvish and hope for the best. Jordan Montgomery did really well for the Rangers in his first start on the team against Miami. Got the win, six innings, 2 more in-runs, seven base runners. It's the Bailey special with six Ks here. That's nice, and we're cool with that, and I still think the changeup needs to get a little bit better, but yeah, we're just going to keep starting Jordan Montgomery. Hunter Brown did well against the Yankees, got the win of six innings, 200 runs, five hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. The curve got strikes in the zone. The slider was much better down. It didn't get a lot of whiffs, it was just two of them, but much better down in good location with that as a four-seamer. Mostly stayed up. This is going to improve, I think, over time. That could be 2024, 2025. Um, And in the next two months, I think we're going to see a little bit back and forth from Hunter Brown. But good to see. This is encouraging, and I hope he continues to take little steps forward like this one. Logan Allen against the White Sox got the win, but it was four walks and 5Ks, and I don't really love the the whole thing right now with Logan Allen. He had a really good changeup and sweeper approach down in this. It was about 90.8 on the fastball, which isn't ideal. I just think that Logan Allen is fine at the moment. The White Sox were obviously a team that he really wanted to lean into with those lower uh, changeups and sliders, and that's a good thing. I'm glad that he was able to do that. I feel like those four walks were not him being wild, um, as opposed to just kind of the approach taking him in that direction, and that's good. Um, And I've seen much, much worse starts from guys with four walks, if that makes sense at all. But yeah, Logan Allen isn't someone I need to be rostering on my teams. Just start by start. We'll see if he's the best option for you to go and get. Merrill Kelly against the Twins. Six innings of two 200 runs, six hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts against the Twins. You'll love to see it. He's back to normal, and things are good there. Uh, Dean Kramer against the Mets. The cutter was still really good. Everything else was really rough, and he labored through this against the Mets of 5.1 innings of two and runs, but four walks, four Ks, and two hits, and I'm glad he came out for you. didn't get the win, but still, um, I think you're safe with the uh, the Astros and two, uh, sorry, the Padres and two starts against the Astros. I think I avoid that, as really it's just been the card that's been good for him. And I've been seeing a little bit of a scattered four seamer command, and the other stuff is not very good. But I think you'll be okay for the Padres after, but maybe not. Um, so Dean Kramer is not one of those must holds right now for me, as not starting for two outings is a huge, huge deal right now in August, especially for you in head-to-head leagues. Who have maybe what four more weeks until the playoffs and these are very very important starts and ensure that you get those streams that you need Um, oftentimes the way I see it is holding on to a player at this moment denies you two starts off the waiver wire that's how I see it generally if you plan it out right and I don't think that Kramer is worth that. Uh, I would go after those two streams instead. Uh, Bailey Ober against the Diamondbacks, five innings of two and runs, six hits, zero walks, and three strikeouts. It's close to a Bailey special for Bailey Ober, and everything looks good, especially after that last outing. That was definitely not it. Graham Ashcraft against the Nationals. Eight innings of 300 runs, five hits, two walks in, five Ks. And I want to give him credit here. He reintroduced the sinker. And I didn't really love that it wasn't so far inside to get those foul balls and outside. I normally like sinkers. But they're putting good enough places to get called strikes. PLV dug it. And it's slider. The slider on Ashcraft was remarkable. 5.5 PLV, which is exceptional. Um, on the average. It's like averaging a quality pitch uh, is how we put it. Um, that's really good. So, to see that from Ashcraft in the start is very nice. The cutter was average, and that's okay. I'm, if we see an average cutter with an elite slider from Ashcraft, that works. I don't really know if I can bank on that, is the thing. And he might just be a poor execution awesome stuff guy that is appeased. But I hope I'm wrong. Um, it did also make it easier facing the Nationals in this one. So... I'm still like on the fence on Ashka, but I'm more encouraged than I have been over the past month right now. Alec Manoa got the win against the Red Sox in Fenway. 6.2 innings of 300 runs, 6 hits, 2 walks, and 5 Ks. The slider was actually really good. And I'm not going to ignore that. You know, I'm not just going to go along with the narrative that Manoa's done and that's it. No, I see that, and it was good. But the four-seamer and sinker were not. And there's still so much more to fix. It wasn't with Manoa that he just had one tweak to make. It was that he had three or four to make. And I'm glad to see one start where the slider actually legitimately was what we want. I don't even know if that's going to repeat again. Um, but there's still so much work left to do. And, you know, ratio-wise, not good here, right? You have uh, about 4 plus ERA with a whip that is about, like, what, 1-3 th- in this? Only 5 strikeouts. Sure, 13 whiffs, 40- 34% CSW. I understand all of that. But it's really just a slider having a good night, and that is it. Uh, Patrick Corbin... Got the gold start because, honestly, like none of those good starts were all too shocking that I just mentioned. Um, And Zach Little, maybe, I guess, but it was only a 1K or something. So I gave it to Patrick Corbin, who got six-point winnings of 300 runs in five base runners. And that's a great day for Corbin. So congrats, buddy. I'm glad you got something. Mike Clevenger against the Guardians of five innings of 300 runs, and we just avoid him completely. Nine base runners, no way. Chris Flexen went five innings in St. Louis and got a win, but it was 10 hits and 300 runs. Uh, yeah, probably not something you want to do is flexing out pitches for the Rockies. He went 72 pitches here, 19% CSW. Maybe there is a day that flexing is fully stretched out on the road that does work out as a hitting, hitting streamer, but we're not doing that right now. And Quinn Priester against the Brewers, four innings of 300 runs, five hits, three walks, three Ks. There's nothing to suggest that we should be picking up Priester. There are a lot of other guys to talk about from yesterday. Of course, I'm going to go over today and tomorrow's games and all of that after this break. dot com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PitcherList and get your first deposit doubled, up to one hundred dollars. Jesus Lazardo went against the Rangers, and he earned a golden goal. That is, 18 whiffs and 37% CSW against the mighty Rangers. However, he allowed three solo shots. It was 5.1 innings of four runs, six sets, two walks, and eight strikeouts. It's very frustrating. I am, you know, it's one of those cases where you don't earn a golden goal against the Rangers for pitching poorly. And two of those solo shots came off of Adelis Garcia's bat. I wanted to give him the ace is going to ace tag after this one because I figured if he did well against the Rangers, he deserved it. And, oh, so close. Um, but uh, much better than we saw against the Tigers, even though it wasn't good ratios. Okay. At least he got strike strikeouts in this one, too. Reese Olsen, uh, speaking of the Tigers, five innings, four runs, five hits, three walks, three Ks. I'm not seeing the changeup doing well here, and there's just nothing to go after with Reese Olsen. There was some fun in the beginning. We're not there now for Reese Olsen. James Paxton I was hoping to give him the ace he's going to ace as he faced the tough offense in the Jays. And five innings of 4 and runs, nine hits, two walks, four Ks. Ugh. Yeah, four-seamers were in the zone, but also too low in the zone, not in the upper half, a lot of them. And the other stuff wasn't enough to really help. But, uh, you know, we still keep going with Paxton, obviously. He's still in Tier 3 for me. Uh, and you have Jordan Lyles getting a win. Awesome for him. Everything else was bad. But, hey, you got to win. Congrats, Jordan Lyles. Aaron Nola against the Kansas City Royals. Went 5.1 innings, 5 runs, 8 hits, 1 walk, and 8 Ks. So frustrating. It was like Lizardo that it was 17 whiffs and 31% CSW, so he pitched well overall. What's going on here? Well, here's the thing. He went 80% four-seamer and curve. We saw that before. I really dug that he's going those two pitches because those are his two best pitches, 80% of them, right? And yet, of his eight hits, half of them, four of them, came on other pitches. And both of his home runs came on other pitches. One was a changeup, but the very first home run he's allowed on a changeup all year. And then he threw one cutter this entire game and it was a home run. It was a two-run shot. So there's three earned runs that Aaron Nola allowed that was not on the 80% of his pitches that are actually good. It's so annoying. Uh so I hope that helps you understand that Nola is really close to to actually being the guy we want him to be. It's just that the other 20% of pitches are just not coming through, and they're getting punished, which is also kind of rare and almost obtuse in a way of just, that's not really supposed to happen. So it sticks out. So again, I have to just preach, we start Aaron Nola. I know it's crazy. I know it feels wrong, and it's so frustrating, and I feel your pain. I just feel you should be doing this. Uh, sometimes baseball just works in weird ways like this, and Aaron Nola's going through that. Luis Severino against the Astros, four innings, five earned runs, five hits, blah, 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 terrible. <laughs> uh, it's so crazy to see that the slider and changeup have are bad PLV marks. Um, it, it's weird. Also, the location is good, but obviously the movement and the, just the pitch itself is just not nearly as good. Uh, he lost something here from the injuries, and it stinks and we are, uh, do not s- hold on to Severino. It's not worth the stash at this point. I was trying to think that maybe it was um, uh, possibly tipping or something that was giving it away, but really, I mean, PLV will tell you, like, no, these are just not good pitches, and that's just the way it is. Colin Ray uh, was a streaming pick of the day for me, and the question will start tier because I thought maybe that sweeper that was really good last time could repeat itself against the Pirates. It didn't, and this was terrible. Four innings of six and runs, womp, womp. So... The best I can say, he's a cherry bomb, but honestly, he's just a streaming option and uh, not sweet enough to warrant it. So we move on from here. But hopefully, that uh, sweeper does come back in the future. And Luis Castillo versus Reed Detmers, man, I was so excited for this star. What a fun, fun game this should have been, and yet both pitchers allowed seven earned runs. With Luis Castillo, he earned earned 18 whiffs for a co-share of the gallows pole. I uh, changeup came back. Believe it or not. The changeup, if you think of Luis Castillo, it's been like, wait, he's just been pumping four seamers excessively. And all of a sudden, we also have the slider that has done good work. But the changeup has been lacking. Well, it was 7 over 21 whiffs, 33% swing streak rate on it. And this was the bad game. What? The locations were actually really good, too. It was what Fast can't remember calling it, but I do. It's called the Imperial Shuttle, where you throw high four seamers and then low changeups arm side and then low sliders glove side. He did that. It was great, and he allowed 700 runs and 10 hits and one walk and 6Ks against the Angels. On the other side of it, you had Reed Detmers against the Mariners. Four innings, seven earned runs, nine hits, two walks, four Ks, and much more disappointing. And that's really important to me to understand that when guys have bad nights, uh, to say like, no, skills are there, everything's fine, it's just baseball being weird. And other times when I say, yeah, Reed Detmers, you yeah, haven't been locked in with your repertoire for a long time. Uh, his slider here just wasn't good good locations, and uh, he allowed most of his hits on other stuff. It, it, it Just the whole thing was... Ah, he's not getting into the groove again, and I've been saying for the past four weeks, you know, it's been a lot of bad matchups for him, and he came through against the Pirates for the most part, but otherwise, every tough team he's faced, he's struggled against, and I thought, okay, here you go with the Mariners, things are cool, but this was rough, and the problem now is that he gets the Astros, and then it's the Rays, and with the six-man rotation, you're going to have to wait, like, three weeks I can't suggest that. I can't even tell you that Reed Detmers is going to be good enough at the end of that. So this stinks. I hate this. I really like Reed Detmers from a skill set perspective. I think he does. I think he has all the weapons. He's young, 24 at the beginning of July, and he's still developing. And, uh, you know, it's one of those cases where I see the light. I see the top of the stairs. I see the potential there. And, I, I thought I saw all the steps for him to get there, and it's just kind of lost a little bit. But I still feel like you will eventually get there. Dynasty-wise, I love Reed Detmers. But for your redraft leagues, yeah, you can drop him. I hate saying that, but like it's true, and I have to lower him dramatically on the list because of this situation. Cal Hendricks faced the Atlanta Braves, and yeah, I mean, you don't start him there. 700 runs and four innings. And it's I think it's really interesting to think about, as we talk about pitchers in the offseason, especially for 12-teamers, Um, A lot of times, I mean, it's part of my whole argument against projections that, uh, you know, when it comes to our drafts, um, it's really part of my whole deal is like, Kyle Hendricks is not a guy that you start against Atlanta. And we're going to look at him from a number of like the entire season's performance. And we shouldn't, we should honestly be like taking out this start. Because you should not be starting Kyle Hendricks. If you have him on your team, you, you really should not have these ratios against you. Because you shouldn't be starting him against Atlanta. So, Uh, That kind of thought process of getting guys that you're not going to start every time in season and how that flow happens. And also, as we look at the season ahead, we shouldn't be starting Kyle Hendricks. And giving him too much of a ding for this kind of start, I think, is just not fair. All right. Adam Wainwright against Rocky Road was terrible because it's Adam Wainwright. I'm really sorry. 700 runs in three innings. Just don't, don't start Adam Wainwright. Looking forward to today and tomorrow's starting pitchers. I know a lot of these games already went on today, but I'm just going to say it one more time in case you get it for the late night game or something like that. It was Burns and Verlander and Kirby and Abbott and Maeda and Snell. And we actually did have a lot of updates with Christopher Sanchez, uh, Steven Matz, Aaron Savali, and Tarek Scuba being in the probable start here. But we have a lot of things in the do not start. I'll get to that in a moment. Jose Barrios, Paul Blackburn, Ross Stripling, Kyle Gibson, John Gray, Tyler Anderson, and Bryce Elder. Bryce Elder, by the way, I know was terrible today, and we'll get to that later. I mean, that was the bottom of the question we'll start because it was the Cubs, and that's how those things work. Um, and the do not start here. Uh, Bailey Falter is going instead of Luis Ortiz. I'm curious how that was going to go. All I know about is Willie Bryce Elder, by the way. So sorry if all of these already started today, but I, uh, I'm just going to go over this anyway. Noah Syndergaard, Ryan Nelson, Tyler McGill, Nestor Cortez, Alec Marsh, Ryan uh, Ryan Yarbrough, Michael Kopech, Ty Blach, George Soriano. I'm curious to see how that happened uh, or that looked. Same with Juan O'Don and Javier Assad, and Mike Nick Pavetta going tomorrow. So it's a bullpen game, really, or just maybe Chris Murphy or something for the Red Sox. I don't know. Um, tomorrow's though, let's talk about those and actually really discuss them. Tyler Glasnow, Zach Gallen, Brandon Woodruff, and Sandy Alcantara. And the major thing I do want to talk about with tomorrow starts is that I think only Tyler Glasnow is the clear, like, okay, I feel really good about this start of the entire list. I'm serious. Every single thing has some oddity to it. Um, and it made it really difficult for me to do the probable start tier and the questionable start tier. Uh, for today, and I imagine so many of you are going to disagree with this one, and I get it, and it sinks us on a Sunday, because Sundays are the most important days of the week, especially for head-to-head leagues, and deciding who to actually throw out there, so good luck. Um, I want to mention in that top tier, Zach Gallen has not looked great, he's changed his approach a bit from the uh, from the low four-seamers, and then change-ups and curves underneath, to actually trying to do the Blakestone blueprint now. And it hasn't quite worked for him, but he's getting more four-seamer whiffs. But is that worth it, honestly? Because that guy was getting so many called strikes before with four-seamers. And it didn't really matter that it was a whiff or not. So I don't know if I really love it as much. And I feel like he needs to lose his ace-is-going-to-ace tag on on Monday. Especially if this one doesn't go well. So we'll see you there. Brandon Woodruff is returning from the IL. And as we just saw with Freed, um, there are exceptions to it. And I, I didn't want to give the exception to Freed for a couple reasons. But mostly because it was the Cubs... Um, among everything else, but Woodruff also has thrown more pitches than Freed did. Freed was only up to 60 in his rehab, while it's 72 for Woodruff, which then increases a lot of the chances of production and wins and all that kind of stuff, and it's Pittsburgh. So, here he is at number three, which is way higher than I wanted, but there's no one else to put above. Sandy Alcantara is going, and he's gone 17 innings of one earned run in his last two starts. Not like five, two starts, but it's Texas. But I don't know what to do. In my gut, I say actually Sandy Alcantara is going to falter a little bit, because I don't think he was actually at his peak totally in that last start. I think he got away with a little bit more than he usually does, and it's the Rangers. On the other hand, the dude just had two unreal starts for your teams, and it's, I can't really, like, bench that, right? I don't want to get too big brain here, so... Put them at the end of of auto start, okay. And the probable start, you have three guys that normally we would put at the top of it, but they're actually at the bottom of it because they're matchups, and then have four other guys. So it's Kyle Bradish against the Mets, which I, you know, I don't really love, but I feel like you do that one against the Mets. And then it's Taiwan Walker against the Royals again. Don't love Taiwan Walker, but he is as he said Taiwan Magic, and it's the Royals, so fine. And but the weird velocity stuff, it's oh man, Luis Medina and Chase Sillseth are both intriguing streamers for tomorrow. I love them both. But I also recognize that their floor is lower and there's not a long track record. So, it's four starts for Luis Medina against the Giants, who are a terrible offense. And this is inside of Oakland Coliseum, which is great. So, that mix makes it a fun stream for me. But it's Oakland and maybe the win chance is lower. I mean, the Giants are a higher winning team than the, the Athletics are. Then you have Chase Silseth uh, against the Mariners. And Silseth had this amazing breaking ball the last two games, I believe it is. Maybe three. I think it's two, though. And the Mariners are... Very, uh, they have an affinity to chase out of the zone, so that should work, but maybe not. Maybe still, set doesn't have that breaking ball, right? But then at the bottom of the tier, I couldn't really put any of these guys above because I'm scared about all of them. So you have Bryce Miller, who has two straight starts of allowing six long balls total as he goes against the Angels, that's not fun. You have Chris Bassett going into Fenway, and that's not fun to do. And Bassett is solid, and I'm going to start him, but He's not really that high ceiling guy, right? So that's a little worrisome. And then you have Justin Steele. And obviously, Nick, what are you doing? Put him on all start. It's against Atlanta. And Atlanta is like the scariest offense there is right now. So I don't know what to do. So I put him at the bottom of probable start. This is crazy. But then he gets a questionable. And you got Lance Lane. What do you do with him against the Padres? I don't know. I mean, he went fewer cutters last time. And that seemed like a direction from the Dodgers. And there was more four-seamers, and the four-seamers, I guess, were good enough. But the secondaries that kind of replaced the cutters, yeah, those weren't very good. So I don't know if that's really the thing. It was against the Athletics last time. This is the Padres, a better offense. Then you have Carlos Rodon. And then I know that Carlos Rodon is better than what he has been. But this is the Astros, so you don't really want to do that. It's a questionable start. But he has a TR, and at a moment's notice, he could snap in and be amazing. I think a lot of people are going to put that one in do not start, and I totally get it. But the thing is, let's look at the rest of the start of the starts you have Charlie Morton against the Cubs, who have been amazing. I know free did well, but we're going to look past that. Like the Cubs have been so good lately. And then in Nick Pavetta against the Jays inside of Fenway. I know Pavetta done well for two or three, but like he has a history of volatility. And the Jays are a really good offense. So and park factor of Fenway is is high. So. Not fun. Uh, you have Andrew Keeney against the Marlins. What are you going to get there? You have Joana Viedo against the Brewers. You don't know what you're going to get there. He goes either one or run or five these days. And then Jose Quintana, who did not have his command last time in Baltimore. Is that a good or bad thing? The park factor is great. The Orioles are this good offense. Like, all of this is just go, what? I don't know. Okay, cool. Then there's the do not start. The do not start easier. Matt Manning does not have 95, and he does not have slider whiffs, and he gets the raise. Okay, we're not doing that one, but at least he has a chance to go five or six innings. You have Alex Wood against Oakland. He's probably going to have an opener, but maybe not. But is Alex Wood actually any good? And is it worthwhile to start Minocle? Probably, probably not. Alex Wood really hasn't done much that you like. It's a still ill for Jose Urquidy. Maybe he's good enough, but honestly, I don't feel like the ceiling is that high. So you don't really want to do that one, but he could steal a win there. You have Jesse Schultens against the Guardians. You don't want to do that. Jake Irvin against... Uh Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati, no. Rich Richardson is making his MLB debut for the Reds. At least that's what we hear right now. But he's only gone three innings in each of his uh, July starts. So I don't think he's going to go very long. He throws hard, 97. I'm excited to see it. Terrible camera angle, but still excited to see it. But yeah, I don't feel like that's a good fantasy start. Zach Greinke does whatever he wants to do against the Phils. Rich Hill is making his debut for the Padres against the Dodgers. Are we going to get more than four innings? I don't, I have no idea. I don't want to do that. Austin Gomber against the Cardinals, at least is on the road. And maybe I'm underrating that one, but man, it's Austin Gomber. You don't want to do that, right? Dallas Keuchel's returning. What? Absolutely not. Uh, Xavier Curry against the White Sox. He doesn't go five innings. And then I have no idea what the Cardinals are doing with their starter. And I don't want to touch either. You understand it's a crazy Sunday. So thank you, Tyler Glasnow, for being the only clear thing against the Tigers. (laughs) And watch, he's going to be the one that blows up, right? So good luck tomorrow. Good luck uh, today. Uh, And obviously, I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. It's going to be earlier tomorrow because I have things I have to do. Um, so probably be out around like 1130, 1140 or something like that in the morning. I apologize for the late one today. It's just one of those days. And these are bonus podcasts. So, all right, I wasn't supposed to do these the entire season. Here we are, but that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. I mean, your babs below and your strikeout's high. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar.